Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to episode four of season six. Today, we are going to be interviewing board-certified hypnotherapist Drake Eastburn about all things hypnotherapy. Enjoy. Hypnosis. Mindfulness. Meditation. Mama, This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Drake Eastburn is a board-certified hypnotherapist and certified instructor through the National Guild of Hypnotists. Drake and his wife, Lindsay, are the co-founders of the Eastburn Hypnotherapy Clinic and Eastburn Institute of Hypnotherapy, Drake is the official hypnotist of the U.S. Olympic cycling team. Drake has written seven books on the subject, several of which are used in hypnotherapy curriculums globally. His most recent is The Hypnotist Bible, A Reference and a Journey, and was released in 2019. Drake is a gifted teacher and a lifelong learner. He has put his passion for helping others to maximize their potential to excellent use and has never failed to improve upon the well-being of all those whose lives he touches. Hello, Anna. Hello, Christina. And welcome to Drake Eastburn. Welcome, Drake. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We are happy to have you here today. Drake is coming to us with his expertise in lucid dreaming and hypnosis, among other things. And Drake, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, I'm a hypnotherapist. And along with my wife, Lindsay, we run Eastburn Hypnotherapy Center and Eastburn Institute of Hypnosis here in Colorado. I do all the kinds of things you might expect a hypnotist to do, like I help people to stop smoking, lose weight, but I also work with all the psychological issues that any psychologist would only do a little faster, and or a lot faster, I should say, <laughs> a lot more cost-effective. I also work with a lot of athletes, and especially cyclists. I've worked with a lot of cyclists that go to the Tour de France, the Olympics. In fact, I was I worked with all the Olympic cycling male Olympic cycling team uh, a few Olympics back, and part of the female team. We have a school, and I've we've taught all over the world. We've taught in Europe a number of times, Australia, Caribbean, Canada, and of course the United States. So we got a lot of things going. My wife specializes in fertility issues. Now. If you don't want to get pregnant, it's probably of no interest to you. But a lot of people are having trouble in these areas because people are going to college and getting their careers going and then decide it's time to have kids. And all of a sudden, it's not so easy. But she's very well known for her work in that area and has trained many people to use her methods. And uh, it pays the rent. So it's good. Wow. Uh, we're also both authors. And I have nine nine books on hypnosis out there in publication currently and i'm not going to bore you with all those but i'll some that just came out well here's the hypnotist bible this is 500 and some pages of stuff every hypnotist should know it's a big glossary of hypnotic terms and like that so if you're a hypnotist you should own this book Another one that just came out is the second edition of What is Hypnosis Really? And if you want to know about hypnosis and what's going on, uh, in my way of thinking of it, we're always in a trance of some sort. 
even what we call a conscious waking state, we might just call that our intellectual trance or whatever. But I don't think there's ever a time we're not in a trance. If we're, you know, hooked up to a life support system or whatever, we're still in a trance. Hypnosis could deviate slightly from that. Now, my other book, which I thought I had one sitting here, is Activate Your Muse, that all three of those books came out in December. And Activate Your Muse is based on a class that I teach at Colorado Free University on writing. And I just had a class uh, last Wednesday, I think it was, but I did it over the internet here. So it pops up once in a while. But the book is based on that class. And if you're interested in being a writer or you are a writer, maybe you want to improve, maybe you want to tap into your subconscious better. That's kind of what that's all about. So I don't want to do a lot of self-promotion. I'm not going to talk about all the books and things, but there's a lot of stuff going on. There's some free stuff you can get off of our website. So feel free to do that. So maybe you have some questions for me. Uh, indeed, indeed. Yeah, I, I, the first thing that comes to mind and, and is, are you, is, Fertility problems. I'm sorry, that was like what just like struck me when you said oh, the fertility no, problems in hypnosis. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because uh, a, a lot of people, uh, we refer to them as type A personalities, you know, because they're very, very driven, very, you know, career driven and like that. And they're used to setting goals and achieving those goals. And but as my wife says, you, you can't left brain a baby <laughs> and uh, people try to force this to happen. And it's like, no, you got to chill out. It'll happen. Process the body knows what to do. And like that, you know, you know, back in my day, it took a six pack of beer in the backseat of a Buick. And that usually got the job done. Nowadays, we got to go through IVF and all this kind of thing. <laughs> well, you know, they, they they say that the greatest cure for infertility is parenthood. So like if you adopt a child, then suddenly you get pregnant. I know so many people that they finally adopted a baby and then they got pregnant. So what happened there? There was some shift in consciousness, right? Biologically, something didn't shift, something in the mind or soul shifted. So it would make sense that hypnosis could address that without having to actually adopt a child, unless of course you're you're called to do so. Yeah. Or well, you're absolutely can. right with that. And that happens more than people would imagine. But what does happen is well, what they did was they decided to adopt a child and they gave up their attachment to that. And all right. of a sudden, now there it comes flying into their life. Now we got two kids. Yeah, maybe my, <laughs> I have a friend, she's got, she calls them twins and they're two children, uh, six months apart, two different colors. It's adorable. She calls them twins. <laughs> I th I agree with her. I think they probably are twins. Yes, yes. Either that or the 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 bio the biological soul really just did not want to be the eldest. Like, no, nope. <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to not be first in the birth order. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you work particularly with cyclists as well. So, like, what is your experience? Like, what are you doing when you're working with athletes? Is it is it it's obviously performance related, but like, can you just tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So everybody asks, a lot of people ask me this question, especially other hypnotists, because they want to know, well, what is your secrets? What is that? And I tell you, I don't have some special protocol that I follow. Each individual comes to me and I do evaluate them and then we go from there. You know, for some people, that might be something, messages that they got in their childhood that stayed with them. You know, some belief systems that is back there in the critical faculty that they're not even aware of, but it's something there that's holding them back. Or it could be they're not getting along with their wife. There's the stress there in their relationship. Or it, it could be just so, so, so many things that are going on. I had a guy, a cyclist who came to me. And uh, he was not, he didn't come to me for cycling. He was quite happy with his cycling career. He'd never, never won a section of a race. He'd never won a race. He was a support rider. And most cyclists are, at, at least most of the time. 
And he said, I'm fine with that. He rode for a national team, which meant he never left the country. He didn't want to travel. That was part of the thing. And when he came in and I, we worked on his issue, all of a sudden, his next race, which was the Tour de Colorado, he won parts of that and even won, went through his own hometown, won a leg of it, and got picked up national team and He's doing all the things he said he didn't want to because his issue was gone now, you know, so now his his life expanded and now he was moving on to bigger things. So it could be something that's totally unrelated with their performance in particular. But when I work with elite athletes, whether it's cyclists or whatever, I'm not making them elite athletes, but I'm giving them that edge that puts them across the line first or whatever golf duffer down the street or whatever then it's a different approach you know there's different things but elite athletes there you know we talk about visualization and sure i do those kind of things but anybody who gets to the place of being an elite athlete they're already good visualizers you you don't get there without being pretty good at that to start with i mean i may help them in some ways but it, it comes down to more than just doing some visualization techniques a lot of it's a belief system. I just worked with a golfer here who's a pro golfer who is the, the grandson of a very famous golfer. And he's kind of had to live in that shadow. And so he could be doing a lot better, but we got to get him out from those belief systems that have kind of held him back. And and certainly golf is a pretty uh, mental thing. You know? It's like you got to get your head in the game or you're in trouble. A lot of the experience I've had with hypnosis is self-hypnosis, doing the Silva Mind technique, and then oh. also listening to certain tracks that you play for 21 days. So my question for you is, do you think that 21 days is required for hypnosis? Or do you think you can change an athlete's perspective in one session? Like, what do you think is, is on average, how many sessions it, it takes to really fundamentally change a belief system? Or do, I yeah. guess it, it's a broad question because everyone's different, but what's your take on that? Yeah. So one session may be optimal for many, many things. Doing 21 sessions requiring that. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that. I, the thing is, you know, the subconscious works in patterns and we create a, uh, a neural pathway and the subconscious just wants to do that same thing over and over and over again. Now to change a habit, something like that on your own, requires effort it requires willpower but willpower is a short-term strategy it's meant to get us through a, 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 an immediate situation it's not meant to live your life after so if you're trying to change uh stop smoking for instance or change your eating habits you know it's like you know oh, i'm never going to smoke again or i'm never going to eat another ding dong and then uh we keep struggling with that and then one day your your conscious mind the uh, willpower begins to wane and there's that cigarette and there's that cookie and pretty soon you're right back to where you were with hypnosis we can shift those patterns really fast here's an analogy that i use a lot and it's like if you get up every morning and you step out on the porch and you head out down this path and it's a path you've been taking every day and that path could be the path of a smoker it could be the path of some other not very productive habit, but it's what you've always done and you'll keep doing it. But one day you get up in the morning and you step out on the porch and there's been a huge snowstorm. And there's no sign of that path. But over here, off to the other side, during the night, with the help of your hypnotist, we created another path to a better, healthier. And now that becomes a new path. Once we create a shift like that, it tends to stay and it could happen just that fast. You know, when I work with smokers, it's one session. That's it. You're over and done with. And it is true with a lot of other issues. So like somebody has a fear of flying and they come to me and they got to get on the plane tomorrow. I don't have a time to do 21 sessions with them. We got to get this thing fixed now. So really optimally, it's convincing the sub subconscious mind and it's changing those patterns so that boom, now we're off in another direction. And once we head out on another uh, pathway, we tend to continue because that becomes our new 
uh, path of least resistance, as I will say, and we'll continue doing the same thing. But we do that over and over. We go to the same gas station. We go to the same convenience store to get our lottery ticket. We we go to the same grocery store and we take the same route to work. Why? Because that's what we did before. And it has to do with our biology. It has to do with our survival. But it doesn't always necessarily work for us really good when we get on the wrong path. Yeah. Does that help any? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I so so I guess this relates to the frequency question too, because I did a rapid transformational therapy hypnosis before, and it was so interesting because it was a longer hypnosis, but at the end, he was like, I don't think you actually got into a trance state, right? Is like, and he was like, he was like kind of saying like, I don't think you actually got into a trance because there were things and indications that you weren't in that state. So I guess there's two questions from that. One is, is it, is it the quality of the hypnotist and that like you can get anybody into that trance state and that you have to be in a very specific state or is it that there are some people who it's just really difficult for them to be hypnotized? So anybody can and has been hypnotized. So it sounds like he didn't understand trance, or maybe he was using it to excuse. It could be. Could be. Whatever. <laughs> and, and hypnotists do that. They'll go, well, you're, you're just not hypnotizable. Well, of course they're hypnotizable. They're people. We're all hypnotizable. But... There's also, we can observe certain qualities in a person and we can determine, well, they're at such a level of hypnosis. And that might have been what he was referring to. Maybe he wanted you, for some things, it's very important what depth of hypnosis you're in. Like if I'm going to perform a surgery on you, alpha level is not going to do the job. You know, you, you might not like that. But if I have you in a Esdell state, you won't know, <clears throat> you won't know or care what I'm doing to you. Uh, so there, there is a big difference. But for most purposes, that's not going to be an issue. I prefer working in that Esdell state. I think most of my work is done in an Esdell state these days because mainly people who are coming to me are dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and things like that. And once I have them into this state, they're chill. Because if we try to talk about anxiety and stuff, we're, it's hard to get rid of it. But once the mind and the body experiences what it's like to be free of it, now we have a model, what we would call a transformational suggestion. I can go from this and I can now project it into my life. You know, a similar kind of thing is if somebody comes to me for weight loss. Well, I could sit there all day and I go, you're 20 pounds lighter. You're 20 pounds lighter. That's not going to have any effect. But if I take them back to a time when they liked the way their body looked and felt, <clears throat> excuse me, and they felt good about themselves, now we've created an image that they can step into. The subconscious likes that. If I just tell you, oh, you're lighter, you don't like uh, chocolate anymore, that's not going to have much of an effect. But if we can take them and take their body that they were happy with and project it into the future, now the subconscious can travel there. So we call it transformational suggestion. Okay. And you said that the Esdell state, is that just below alpha or is that a couple below? That is like, that's as deep as you can get it really. Okay. Is it it's, a level of Delta or? You're uh, approaching that. It is what, what Leslie McClellan would qualify as a plenary state and a level of 50 qualifiers that was the deepest that you could get. And this is the state that's it's named after Dr. James Esdell, who back in the 1840s was doing hundreds and probably more than hundreds of surgeries on people using this state of hypnosis. And uh, so it became named after him. But it's the very deep theta level getting into uh, delta level. Uh, we kind of say that hypnosis doesn't have a lot of effect in a delta level, but now they're seeing that a lot of people sleepwalk and sleep talk in that state and things like that. So there is some bit of conscious activity going on. So I don't care if you're in a delta level or 
whatever. If we do proper hypnosis, we should have the outcome that we desire. And I'm hoping it's a shame. I write all these books and people don't read them. You know, it's like they could they could benefit from this stuff. You know, it's like yeah. How long how long does it take to put someone in an Estelle state? You know, it can happen fast, but I my process is you know it probably takes maybe. 10 minutes or less to get you there the way I do it. There are ways you can condition somebody to get them there really quickly. But, you know, when I'm working with clients who are dealing with anxiety, you know, I think I'm trying to be kind of nice. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're going to get you there in a way that feels good. But, and, and the thing is that the Evsdale state itself becomes a convincer, what we call a convincer, because you, you know, sometimes you'd hypnotize somebody and then you get done and they'll go, well, I don't know if I was hypnotized, you know, and, they go, and you want to strangle them. But when somebody's in an Ezidel state, they go, holy crap. <laughs> and so that in itself is a convincer that the work that we did is successful. And that's another reason I and and people don't go, oh, I'm never going to come to you again. No, they're going to I'll be back next week, you know, even if I don't have a problem. <laughs> Do you do you do your sessions remotely as well, or do you prefer in person? So I I prefer in person, but I have a lot of clients that I do over the computer just like this, and uh, and and it's the way of the world. I mean, and not everybody can come in to see me, and I'm working with people on the East Coast and Nebraska, and I got clients in India, and you know, and my my cyclists they get I almost never see some of those guys because they're in New Zealand and they're in Spain and they're all over the place. So sometimes I just, they'll send me a text message and go, Hey, I need this. And I'll make a recording and sound, download it to them. But yeah. yeah. What could you share? Like one of your most wow sessions that, that you were able to help someone with like immediate, some sort of immediate results. Yeah. Boy, there's been a lot of those. I'll tell you one though that's a cute story, and I wrote about it in, in one of my books. But this guy called me up, and um, her mom had hid some money, and now she couldn't find it. Twenty-five thousand dollars. Now I go, if I hid twenty-five thousand dollars, I'd remember. And you can't imagine how many times that number comes up. People have come in. I hid twenty-five thousand dollars. Now I don't know where it is. I'm going. I'd remember that. But anyway, she brought her mom in and she had this little boy. And I don't know, he was probably two and a half, I'd say, something like that. He he could talk and stuff, but he was pretty little and just adorable. And the gal that called me was his grandmother. So her mom, who I was going to work with, was his great-grandmother. And so I talked with the great-grandmother for a while, put her in the recliner, and uh, I take her into hypnosis, and boom, in no time, we found out where the $25,000 was, boom, I, I got the rest of the afternoon off, <laughs> but, but I'm watching the little boy, he's over there, he's listening to everything I'm saying, and then I look over at him, and he's like, gone. <laughs> so... A couple of weeks later, this gal calls me up again and she says, well, I saw what you did for my mother. She says, I'm going to nursing school and I'm having some issues with my studies or test taking. I forget which it was, but she says, can you help me? And I go, oh, sure, I can help you. So she comes in. She goes, I have $25,000 I can pay you with. <laughs> yeah, <really? laughs> but she comes in and she has the little boy with her again. And so I get his grandmother in the chair and. And the little boy goes, are you going to sing that song? And I go, sing that song. And I go, oh, the hypnotic banter, you know, he's thinking of it in terms of a song. And I go, well, yeah, I am going to sing that song. And he goes, oh, okay. And he gives himself all straightened up in there and determined. I'm not going to do this to him again. <laughs> you know? And so I start taking his grandmother into hypnosis and I'm watching and watching him. And then pretty soon he just goes bang and he's gone. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs>
<laughs> did you think that he uh he took on the suggestions of whatever you were listening to whatever he's he was probably listening a very to. good student now yeah <laughs> and he hides money all over the yard or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and he knows how to find it <laughs> i love that story do you have another one <laughs> oh yes i mean i've got all kinds of them yeah i had a guy who uh, came to me and he had esophageal cancer and uh, it was also in his stomach and someplace else i had met this guy uh, a few years before he had come to me his girlfriend was mad at him because he was she thought he was drinking too much beer and uh she, she didn't like that and he came in to see me and you know the guy he wasn't an alcoholic but he was a Harley guy and he liked to hang out at the local watering hole. And I go, you know, let me know when you're ready, uh, when you really want to stop drinking beer. And, but it was his way of socializing with friends and stuff, but he was a big, strong guy. He worked at the Coors brewery, throwing barrels around and stuff and, and a Harley guy. And then his girlfriend called me up again, you know, a few years later, and she goes, listen, he's really in bad shape. He doesn't have a job anymore. He's got cancer. And can you help him? And I go, oh, yeah, send him in. And and he was this, now he's this shriveled up old man from when I saw him before. And he had cancer in his, well, he'd gone into Denver General Hospital, which at that time was a hospital that didn't have a very good reputation. It was kind of like you went there if you were homeless or whatever and, and didn't have any insurance or whatever. And he went there and they said, oh, it's indigestion or whatever. Well, eventually they did check him out. And then he had cancer in his esophagus and stomach and somewhere else. And, and when he came in to see me, he had a tube going into his intestines where he put this some kind of protein stuff or something in there. And that's because he couldn't eat food, couldn't keep it down. And I said, well, I says, what is it you want to do? And he says, he says, I want to be back riding my Harley and eating Mexican food. And I go, okay. And now this was a guy, he was really kind of, you know, kind of rough. Uh, oh, he'd lived a tough life. He had escaped from Czechoslovakia under gunfire and all kind of stuff. So it was, he, he'd been around the block a time or two. He wasn't going to go for any uh psychological mumbo jumbo and i just did straight suggestion work with him and and playing on his strengths and i, th I think i only did two or three sessions with him and i think on that last session he came in he no longer he had taken that tube out he was uh riding his motorcycle and he was eating mexican food and he said they can't find any cancer in me anymore he says it's all gone you know and <laughs> so i love um, it yeah. I'll put in the show notes, the actual infographic, because I can't remember the details, but hypnotherapy is far faster and effective than traditional psychotherapy. And yet I think a lot of people are reluctant to actually go book a session. Why, what do you think is holding people back? It, is it is it disbelief that it could be so easy or is it fear you know, of letting your mind be in the hands of someone else? Like, what do you think is holding people back? Because I personally love it. Yes, <laughs> but... it totally, it totally is fear because people don't understand it. If they'd read my book there, they'd probably be coming in. People, things that we don't understand, we fear. Things that we fear, we tend to vilify. So uh, we create fear around them. But those same people who are afraid of hypnosis are using hypnosis all the time and they just don't even realize it that's you know true that's yeah. true our the way i look at it is hypnosis is our most common state of consciousness and yet we're afraid of it and what hypnotists do is we don't create hypnosis we take advantage we we put it to use that's why where my application theory of hypnosis comes in and it's like it's how we talk to the subconscious mind. It's how we do that to get it to do the things we want it to. We're talking to our subconscious all the time, but what is it we're saying to it? You know, you know, it's like if I say, I'm tired of my fat butt, you know, the subconscious is going, 
yeah, and you're going to keep being tired of your bad foot. That doesn't fix anything. So we have to learn to talk to ourselves in more loving ways that actually gets the subconscious to do the things that we want it to. And that's the real uh, kind of skill of a hypnotist is taking advantage of states of consciousness that we're already quite capable of using and do use all the time, but now doing it in a way that really is beneficial and, and makes the, the changes that we want. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned you also do work with lucid dreaming. Can you tell us about the connection between lucid dreaming and hypnosis? Yes. I read about lucid dreaming, and I, I think it was in the early 90s. 90, 91, something like that. And it was Stephen LeBurge, and he's probably the most well-known on this topic. But I was reading his stuff, and he said, if you want to lucid dream, and lucid dreaming is basically where we take control in the dream. And he says, he says, if you want a lucid dream, then he said, when you find yourself dreaming, look at your hands. And he goes, now, this can take weeks before uh, you become successful. And I go, okay. So I went to bed that night. I find myself dreaming. I look at my hands and away I go, <laughs> right off the bat. So uh, it is, it's, uh, and at the time, now he's got a new book out, uh, which is, uh, I think it came out in like 91 or something, but it's exploring the world of lucid dreaming. And it's actually ways of putting lucid dreaming to work, you know, like, uh, you know, creating abundance in your world or good health, things like that, which was what I was doing right, right away. But they weren't really talking about that. But what they weren't saying is that lucid dreaming is psychotherapy because when you find yourself in a dream and you take control of that dream you're teaching your subconscious to set boundaries and to take control in your external world as well so and i've there's been many times i'd be laying there in bed asleep and i'm going i'm doing psychotherapy on myself this is great i don't have to paid for this you know <laughs> so so i i think it's really good and you can you can focus on uh, on on different things you, you know if somebody wanted to just as you go to bed at night just tell yourself you know i'm going to have dreams about blah 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 or i'm going to take control in these dreams or whatever your subconscious can often be very cooperative in those kinds of ways. You're kind of, you're, you're doing a hypnosis, really. And as we go off to sleep is a good time to be giving yourself some positive suggestions or whatever. I always, as I'm going off to sleep, I always project myself into some comforting scene. You know, usually I'm camping or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and I, because uh, going into sleep, we pass through what we call a hypnagogic state. In that hypnagogic state, the subconscious is very suggestible. So that's when you want to put some really good suggestions in there. It's also a good reason to not fall asleep in front of the TV and like that, especially with the news going on, because you don't know what kind of stuff is getting into your subconscious. And boy, lately, there's plenty of not good stuff to get into your subconscious. Also, when we wake up in the morning, or as we awake in the morning, we go through what we call a hypnopompic state. And this is a very hypnotic state as well. And it's also a good time for positive suggestion or other forms of information. But the problem is that most people, you know, we wake up and we hit the floor running, you know, the alarm clock goes off or whatever. And, uh, and, and we miss that opportunity to put some positivity into our subconscious. I've often thought I should create a, an app or something that wakes you up with my voice telling you how wonderful you I are. I was just thinking we should, <laughs> I should make my, I was just thinking I should, I should make a like positive affirmation sound bit to make as my alarm clock. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't that be a better way to get the day started? Yeah. Then oh, beep, yeah. Beep, beep. yeah. Now I noticed, uh, was it Christina that was talking about silver mind control or silver? Oh, 
I did the, yeah, I took that course. When did you take it? I took the new one, which is the Ultramind one with Vivek from Mind oh, Valley. Okay. Mind Valley stuff. Okay. Yeah, the new one. So like the new one, meaning I guess there was a lot of family stuff going on. When Jose Silva was on his deathbed, he came to like more realizations, but that stuff never got in the original Silva Mind Control course because of proprietary stuff with the family. Oh. So like the new one, the Mind Valley one, it has you not only do like the traditional mind silver mind control stuff, but it also has you basically astral project yourself into mm -hmm. places and and things like that. Well, I did it back in the early 70s and we did do astral projection. Oh, so maybe it does still then I don't then I don't really know what is different about the new one. Well, there probably <laughs> is some different stuff. I don't know, but I noticed uh, Mind Valley is really promoting it here the last few weeks. But yeah, that's kind of one of the things that got me started in hypnosis. Oh, was, really? Uh, I was looking for some personal growth type of things, and I found a, a Silva method. And, uh, you know, I came from a very negative family and background. And but Silva's thing was change your mind, change your life. And it's like I really took that to heart, you know, and I really, really did uh, their stuff. And, um, uh, and it's it's also there was a nice flow of language that as I became a professional hypnotist, that was still up here in my subconscious that I could just keep tapping into. So it worked out well. And I was a, a migraine sufferer back then. And I learned these hypnotic methods to get rid of the migraines. And I never had a migraine since. And oh, what did you say? Because I get migraines. <laughs> I'll tell story? you what. What's the secret it, recipe? Didn't they tell you show you a, a method in uh, silver? Uh, uh, I clearly don't remember. <laughs> okay. Some part it of was, me must want to continue suffering because I don't remember. Well, it is possible. There is uh, a lot of migraines have secondary gain attached to them. It's right. some a way that we use to manipulate our world. But uh, the methods then were slow and boring which that can be effective on your subconscious but now i mean i've gotten rid of somebody's migraines in five minutes you know i mean it's just incredible uh i was teaching a class uh, a few years back and you know sometimes you can you can look at somebody and go oh she's got a migraine <laughs> you know <laughs> and i go you have you got a migraine and she goes yeah and i go you want me to get rid of it and she goes yeah and i go come up here and sit in the chair and uh, she sat down, and I probably spent five minutes with her. She went back to her chair. She was fine. Well, a few years later, I was at a convention, and she was there. And she comes up to me, and she goes, you know, ever since you got rid of that migraine, I've never had a migraine since. It's <laughs> fascinating. She, you know, it does happen like that. Sometimes it takes two or three sessions, but the mind, the subconscious can learn pretty fast that, I can control this thing. And when it learns it can control it, then there's no payoff to even having it. And they just fail to show up. Mm -hmm. Right. At some point, yeah. it's like the gig is up. Like, sorry, yeah. you, can't, you yeah. can't use this supposed thing that's outside of your control because it's right. actually in your I control. Know. Oh, I already know what the secondary gain is. It's I get to lay in bed and do nothing. And I have a great excuse, you know? <laughs> so, you know what? Maybe you deserve to spend some time and just lay in bed and not have a, a right. Yeah, yeah. I just I I just did that with my kids. So my kids kept being like, "Ah, oh, I'm sick," because they wanted to sit in front of the TV. So I was just like, "We're done with this dynamic. We're just gonna you get an entire day to just sit in front of the TV all day long, so you don't have to get the you know you don't have to get sick in order to get the secondary yes. benefit of sitting in front of the TV." That, you know what, and a lot of us have illnesses now because of those kind of instances. How, how, who didn't, as a kid, learn that having a stomach ache could keep you out of that exam today, home from school or whatever it is that's going on that you don't want to be involved in? And when we create that, you know, as a little kid, you actually felt sick, you know? And, and so later on in life, this is a way to deal with situations in the world oh god i'm sick i can't go to that meeting or whatever but we're, we're creating these issues 
because it works and it has worked not it's not a very high functioning way of doing things but it, it's a way mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so would you recommend that people always see a professional or listen to like a professional meditation or can people kind of put themselves into a trance state and be able to to make suggestions to themselves. I'm also curious too, since you're so good at lucid dreaming, if you inadvertently put yourself into a, a level of trance when you're putting other people into a trance, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's what oh, we yeah. call uptime trance and downtime trance. And the client is typically in what we call downtime trance. And in a downtime trance, they do not have to have awareness of what's going on because I'm there or some other hypnotist is there guiding the session and taking care of things. The hypnotist, not all, but most hypnotists with, who have been at it a while go into what we call uptime trance. So we enter a trance state as well. But in this trance state, we're able to manage uh, trance depth with the client and create suggestions, things like that, that we need to. It has been shown that Hypnotists who enter a, a uh, uptime trance are more effective, partly because we're more subconsciously involved. You know, we're more intuitive uh, as to the client's needs and things like that. So, yeah, we definitely do. That's so interesting because I do channeling with with my clients. I channel whatever meditation we're doing in the moment and I am 100% in a trance, like of some sort. So it's interesting yeah. to have a name for it. And there, there is another name for that, what you're doing. And what do they call it? Medium trance. They, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. So what, so kind of back to the original question, is it, you know, what would you recommend in terms of, should people always go see a professional or is there an ability for people to hypnotize themselves? Both of those things are true. Now, I do self-hypnosis, obviously, and that's a good thing. Now, but this is how I'm going to kind of equate it is, let's say I have a, a sore shoulder, and I rub that shoulder, and that helps. I go to a massage therapist, and she rubs that shoulder, it's even better. You know, so think of me as the massage therapist. You know, I'm even better than you doing it yourself. Part of the thing is, especially if you're not skilled in self-hypnosis, is that language that we use to talk to the subconscious mind. Because a lot of people are, uh, are not speaking to the subconscious mind the way they should. And it just so happens, I have this book here, The Power of Suggestion, which would tell you how to you, create phrasing and all that so that you do it properly. Even people who are using what we call positive affirmations, a lot of times are not getting the response because they don't really understand how to phrase those positive affirmations to get the most effect. You know, if if I if I'm having uh, money issues and I go, I'm a I'm a millionaire, and the subconscious is going to go, Yeah, you can't even pay the freaking rent. You did what? You know. So we have to learn to speak to the subconscious a little differently to get it. And sometimes it's baby steps. First, we have to give the subconscious affirmations that are heading us in the right direction, but are acceptable. If we get the subconscious to accept some easier suggestions, then we can start moving it down the line to where, yeah, I'm a millionaire. And there's a lot of things we can do to create that, that mindset that yeah I am a millionaire and we are I am bringing that into my world and I can give you the secrets to those affirmations but it'll cost you a million dollars but it's okay because I'm a millionaire that's right <laughs> <laughs> well you know nowadays we have to go for a multi-millionaire or whatever uh, exactly there's four guys on my block that are millionaires and they're struggling to make the rent too <laughs> yes yes so I have one more question, which goes back to lucid dreaming. You had said that a great way to do it is when you're in your dream to look at your hands and that'll be like your, I don't know, your trigger, I guess we trigger could yeah. to that you're lucid dreaming. Are there other ones or is that, do you think that's the best and easiest one for our listeners? That is 
you know what? That is the one that I use that got me going. And what I have found is I don't really need anything anymore because you just kind of automatically take off and, and do it, you know? So you, once uh, uh, I, I expect Stephen had gives some other ways of doing it, uh, but that worked for me. So I haven't really looked too hard for any of Yeah, Mine is a mirror. If I see a mirror oh. and I look at it, I will not have a reflection. That's my sign. I'm dreaming. <laughs> So wow. I go look. I go looking for mirrors in my dreams sometimes. It's very weird. Yeah, I I keep still. Weird, I, it, it, it works. I, I I used to look at signs, and I knew that if the sign kept changing, then that was an indication. But now the signs don't change, and I don't know what that is. It's very interesting. Um, now the sign I can read the signs. I can read in my dream state now. So it's like I have to find a new trigger for myself. <laughs> That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. I'm like, who's who's tricking with me? Who's messing with me? <laughs> maybe so. Maybe, maybe what? You hold your sign up to her mirror and see what. <laughs> maybe that's it. That's it. Is would you be willing to do like a five minute hypnosis suggestion, like a general one for people, or is that not a possibility to do on a podcast, or is that too dangerous? You know, I think a, a better thing an easy thing for everybody to do is just to do this. And that would be, be a little kinder to yourself. You know, what are your thoughts, especially when you're going off to bed at night? What are your thoughts about yourself, who you are and what life is bringing you? You know, because so often we're, and I'll tell you right now with everything that's going on in the world. And that's why I have, all these clients coming in for anxiety and panic attacks, which this is most of my practice is taking care of these people right now. But it's why here we're in a culture. We we're all in this pressure cooker and they keep turning the heat up, you know, and expecting everything to get better, you know, and it's like, and people are just under more and more stress. So think about how, how are you thinking of, what are your thoughts about yourself, about where you're going? Does that feel good when you think about these things, when you think about the world? Or is there something more pleasant? You know, when you when you catch yourself having these thoughts, where do you feel these things? Where do you feel it in your body? You know, do you, do you notice your chest tightening up or your shoulders or whatever? And does that feel good? But when you think about something pleasant, you know, being on the beach or oh being with your family writing a book doing something that how does how does that feel and then notice where you feel that in your body and then let those kinds of things become dominant you know instead of the because we have as humans we have a negative bias so how many times have you told, do you tell yourself in the day, oh God, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm never going to have anything. I'm not going to amount to anything. And, but how many times a day do we tell us, hey, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I'm successful. I, I, I live a good life and like that. And, and, you know, I really benefit from this working with clients because what happens is I'm giving clients, a lot of times I'm giving clients these positive affirmations. But when I'm giving them these positive affirmations, I'm getting them too. So <laughs> I get a free session every time. But I think it's just look at what your attitude is. What is your your negative bias about? And how can we shift that so that everything we do is more affected by our more positive subconscious? And the world would be a better, better place. How, how do we think about our health, you know? Do we focus on our aches and pains or do you focus on the fact that, hey, I've got two legs at work and I can go places and I can do things. You know, I I go, I get up every morning and I clean the kitchen, do the dishes and everything. And I feel blessed. I mean, you know, I could go from the point of view, oh, crap, the kitchen's dirty. I got to, you know, I'm going, I've got running water. This is freaking amazing. You know, I get a, I get to clean this kitchen and I got a gas stove that I love, you know, and it's like, I don't mind it. It's it's like I could fight it. And but 
that wouldn't make it pleasant at all. I I enjoy it. So how can you how can you find the joy in your life every moment? You know, and that'll be your trance. You know, when I go for a walk, that's my trance, or that's one of them. And what am I saying to myself while I'm on that that walk? You know, I go out and walk the dogs every night. Am I talking about, oh, where's the money going to come from? Or uh, what's happening with the health insurance? And what's, you know, no, I'm thinking about more pleasant things. Or just listening. You know, sometimes the, the coyotes are out there howling or things like that. And I just I just love to absorb that and, and know that I'm a part of that. Those coyotes, they remind me of me a lot. <laughs> But it, it, just just look at how you can be more positive in your own life. I think that's what I would leave everybody with. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. So what what I you at the beginning of the interview we heard a lot about the different things. What would you like our listeners if they're interested in more, or what would you recommend? Since you have a lot, you're, you're you're prolific with your books. Like, what would be like the go-to book for people who are just learning about this? Oh well, I think that what is hypnosis? That's that's an easy read. It's kind of fun, you know. And uh, you know, there's there's an egg on the the front of the cover there, which mm -hmm. would seem strange, but that egg is about hypnosis and an experience of hypnosis I had when I was very young. So you have to read the book to get the story there, but it's, I think people would really enjoy it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, and what, is that your latest one or do you have another, no, what, what's actually, your latest one? Uh, that, that is the second edition of that book. The, the latest one is uh, the hypnotist Bible and uh, activate your muse. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Anna, do you have anything further before we No, I enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you and so much, Drake. Yeah. You ladies have been great. I really appreciate that. It was a nice talk. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this interview with Drake Eastburn. If you'd like to get more information, you can buy Drake's books anywhere that books are sold, as well as go to hypnodenver.com for more information about his offerings. Thanks, y'all. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.